Hello and welcome to The Planet Today, where we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy. It's Friday, December 8th, 2023. Nick, unfortunately, could not be here this week, so I'm your host, Matt Norton, here with two longtime friends of the program, Dan Walsh, CJ Bonafati. Fellas, welcome. Ooh, happy to be here. It is good to be back. It is yes. really good to be back. It's It's been too long for both of you, and, and Nick and I kind of got into a little groove where we were just cranking out episode week after week <laughs> after week, um, and I just I haven't made enough time to get two people who've contributed a lot to the show on the show, um, so I'm glad to have you back this week. You guys were regular episode crankers in my, in my absence. I mean, <laughs> truly cranking them out. No, the consistency is unparalleled. It's unparalleled. We are, we are doing our best here. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get right into today's show. It's going to be a fun one. Time for a quick hit. The first one is by Melina Walling of the Associated Press, and it's titled Red Hot October Almost Guarantees 2023 Will Be the Hottest Year on Record. If you have listened to the planet today throughout this year, especially in the summer, you probably heard us talking a lot about, God, it is hot. And that was just our cold open. Then we got into articles and we were like, hey, you know how we said it was hot at the start of the show? It's really hot, and here is quantitative data to prove that it is hot. So October of this month was no different. It was the hottest October on record at about 1.7 degrees Celsius warmer than the pre-industrial average, which is a lot. The previous record for October was 1.3 degrees Celsius warmer than average, so not only was this record just beat this year, it beat the previous record by almost half a degree Celsius pretty substantial jump from when that record was set just four years earlier in 2019. So the month of October, when added to the fact that this summer was the hottest summer on record, pretty much guarantees that 2023 will be the hottest year ever. The article in your show notes said that this has been particularly hot because of how warm our oceans are getting. Oceans have absorbed about 90% of the excess heat from climate change, but they can't do that if they're already warmer on average. So add in the fact that 2023 is an El Nino year, and this is just a bad all-around equation for climate change and climate change mitigation. Let me tell you something right now. I enjoyed my honeymoon in the Dominican uh, Republic, and it was beautiful. The ocean down there was so warm. It was so, so, so strangely, provocatively, and dangerously warm that... My wife, who really doesn't plug into this kind of environmental news, she tries to tune it out so she won't get anxiety, even said, I'm uncomfortable with how warm the water is. Definitely, definitely. So there's issues. Uh, Another anecdotal related topic was me and Matt just went to a trip to the Finger Lakes. And when we were there, me and co-host Nick went to a winery. It was called Herman J. Weimer. And they own like a bunch of vineyards throughout the Finger Lakes area. And I was asking them if they do anything like experimentally. 
and he brought out like this wine that they're working on and he was talking about how the grapes that they're planting in this area are ones that typically only grow in like warmer regions so it's like they're prepping these vines for climate change when in like years to come it will be warmer and mm -hmm. those vines will be producing grapes that they wouldn't normally grow in that region which just blew my mind that something like a vineyard was thinking that far ahead and, and it's it's a two-folded answer i'm going to give you here like one that's awesome that's great that you know human ingenuity is saying hey rather than let climate change defeat us let's figure out a solution to to adapt to it to deal with this problem head-on it's also terrifying that actual upstate new york in the finger lakes should not be having to grow specific grapes because it's getting too hot for the grapes that they've grown for years there so it's it's scary yeah. But I guess at the same time, it is a little bit uplifting to know that, yeah, we have to right this ship. We do have to do everything we can to phase out fossil fuels and make sure that we have a livable climate. But there are solutions to definitely not all and definitely not some of the major problems, but there are solutions to some of the problems that are going to arise for things that we care about. Yeah, it's just crazy how like everything needs to adapt or like change, even something like a winery, like down to that it's uh yeah super impactful across the board i wonder how uh the meadery that i went to to get us some some delicious blueberry mead is gonna adapt <laughs> yeah that was some delicious mead very delicious mead and here my italian ass heard meadery and thought you were making salami everyone thought i said meadery <laughs> and it's just because i don't pronunciate or pronounce my my t's and my d's very very strongly like, where's he where's he going with the salami tape <laughs> the prosciutto anyway before we move on reuters has also reported this week that global co2 emissions from fossil fuels hit a record high in 2023 that is obviously heavily linked to the story that we just discussed like i said it is urgent that we stop using fossil fuels as quickly as possible and that's something we'll get into a little bit later on in the show heavily next week on the show and you know we'll we'll talk about that all when we get to it all right rock and roll our next story is from a team of writers at abc news stephanie ebbs julia jacobo kelly livingstone daniel manzo and daniel peck they write effects of climate change worsening in every part of the u.s report says so we talked a little bit about how climate change is impacting new york's finger lake region we talked about how it impacted CJ on his honeymoon. Congrats to CJ for getting married. Awesome wedding, by the way. Uh, let's talk about how climate change is impacting the United States. The fifth national climate assessment comes out every five years and uses data from NOAA, NASA, the EPA, the National Science Foundation, and 10 other federal agencies to discuss the latest in climate science. This report that just came out is considered to be a more complete picture of climate science, thanks in part to better climate modeling over the past several years. The report found that climate change will impact all of us, but not equally. Black, Hispanic, and indigenous communities are more likely to face challenges accessing water as droughts become more intense, and those communities in turn will face greater health risks. This is a living testament to the systematic racism that society here and abroad has, has truly been built upon. The report details how different regions have faced and will continue to face different climate challenges. The U.S. West saw heat waves, wildfire, and drought. The Atlantic coast saw longer and stronger hurricane seasons. And 
this also impacted the economy tremendously for all of those, well, how are we going to pay for it? And why should we pay to fix, you know, all this climate stuff? Here's why. 2023 set a record for the most billion dollar climate disasters in U.S. history. And that's a trend that is going to continue to develop and continue to get worse as the storms get stronger unless we are able to mitigate climate change, make those effects less bad, but also adapt to climate change. How do we answer to these storms? Uh, I have another anecdotal thing that my girlfriend just told me. Uh, So her grandma lives in Florida and she told me that her flood insurance is like stopping insuring like flooding in Florida because it's just not financially, I guess, feasible to mm-hmm. do so. Like because there are so many, you know, climate related disasters that it's just uh, not profitable to insure against them. Uh, and I just thought that that was interesting. And definitely. And I think that also speaks to the point when people are like, Oh, you know, and when climate change gets really bad, I'm just going to sell my house and move. To who? Like, <laughs> who is going to buy this? And, and granted, yeah, there's going to be people who, like, they can't afford a house otherwise unless they, they go to this area where it's uninsurable. And to that, I would say that is taking advantage of people who are not as financially well off as the people selling. But regardless, like, who who is going to say if presented with two houses that are equal in price – you know, equal in size, literally the same house. Just one is very far inland and doesn't have to worry about coastal erosion and, and flooding, chipping away at their eventual house. Or the one that's right on the water where it's like, yeah, you know, in five years, probably won't be here. <laughs> I mean, that's literally how slums happen. If you look at, uh, you know, uh, countries where uh, you may consider slums to be more common it's a lack of access to resources that creates the slums, right? There's no, there's no uh, sewer system here. There's no uh, running water and, and, and uh, plumbing here. Mm. Uh, we have trouble producing electricity and delivering it to this, this area. So what you'll end up with is a state like Florida essentially becoming a bona fide slum where because it's uninsurable – the climate is so disastrous that it will only attract those who are in economic need uh, to to just go anywhere. That's not great. Uh, and what's really crazy is mm-hmm. we can prevent it. We can stop it from happening. The government can have the foresight to see these issues uh, and socialize some of these issues. And I know that word's scary. It's a very scary word, socialize. Uh, but there, there, there are ways around it. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I haven't done the research on something like this, but nationalizing flood insurance might be a necessity uh, to keep uh, states like Florida uh, open, uh, towns like San Diego, uh, these, these affluent coastal towns. It'll become, in the private sector, just an impossibility to finance uh, and will have to become a public service. Uh, and it's better to get ahead of those things and start figuring them out now than wait for disaster to strike and try to mm-hmm. uh, piece it together. Uh, do I have faith that the United States will figure this out before it's too late? No, I don't. I don't. I know I've come on this podcast before and been optimistic. It's been it's been a long year. <laughs> it's been a long year. 
but yeah. these things are they're they're wholly preventable. So hopefully some some course correction can be taken. You don't think a country that refuses to to nationalize our utilities or our healthcare system or our education system is is going to be able to do that for flood insurance? No, I don't, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, the truth. Yeah, that's and that's the truth. It's it's one of those things where like we just gotta laugh because if we don't laugh, we'll cry. Yep, I'm already crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in that case, let us move on to this week's environmental policy roundup. Twelve years after the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service first tried to grant this designation, the North American wolverine has been listed under the Endangered Species Act as threatened, with less than 300 wild wolverines left in the contiguous U.S. This will give the species federal protections, ensuring that the actions of federal agencies are unlikely to put wolverines or the wolverine population at whole in danger. And I don't know about you guys. I love wolverines. Goofy little animals. Uh, Mongoose. Mongeese. Mongooses. Protect at all costs. Stoats. Are you familiar with the stoat? I am not. If you're listening to this right now, just Google an image of of a stoat and tell me it's not worth saving. S-T-O-A-T. If you're wow, driving adorable. right now, do not oh, do wow. not look up stoats while you're driving. No, no, no. Say the controversial thing. Say it out loud. Pull over. Don't wait. Yeah. Don't wait. Pull it, over right don't now. Don't wait. Yeah. Pull over right now and look at pictures of stoats and have your vigor for environmental protections be restored. Yeah, they're adorable. Wow. I want to play with this thing in an open field. <laughs> you don't want to play with a wolverine. I'll tell you that much. A stoat, perhaps, perchance. Perchance. The EPA issued new regulations to reduce methane from the oil and gas industry, which the agency predicts will reduce methane emissions by nearly 80% of what they would have been otherwise. The EPA also estimates that the final rule will result in $7.3 billion in savings, which accounts for the cost of new technologies and the climate savings and health benefits of less methane in the atmosphere. All good stuff. All good stuff. I mean... Having less methane and and cutting back on that air pollution and increasing public health that's that's kind of a, a no brainer as it is. Not a big methane guy over here. Yeah, yeah. huge and Wolverine then, guy. Not a big methane guy. And then you factor in like the economic savings. You factor yeah. in the climate savings. This is all good news. Here. I've personally been trying to. Uh, I know this is targeting oil and gas, but methane is also a big issue in uh, agriculture. Uh, you know, yeah. cows and things like that. I've personally been eating way less red meat. I, I, I feel I feel twenty five again. It's amazing what what that could do for you. So eat eat less red meat, uh, and and remember to uh, uh, whenever you get the chance to. Make fun of and troll your local oil and gas tycoon. <laughs> Whatever you can do, this is this is our role in society. We will we will win this war through memes yeah. if we have to. All right, sticking with the EPA, the agency proposed a new requirement that will require water systems across the United States to replace their lead service lines within ten years. This would speed up the previously announced Biden administration goal of removing 100% of the country's lead pipes, which has been linked to health and developmental problems, specifically in children. There are still 9.2 million lead service lines in the United States today, despite new lead pipes being banned in the U.S. since the 1980s. Yeah, not not a big lead guy, mostly because I'm a big (laughs) Superman guy. Uh, And here's the thing about lead pipes, too. You want to talk about uh, uh, disenfranchised folks. You want to, you want to uh, listen without even doing any research, without even doing a quick Google. Where, where do you guys want to bet 
there was 9.2 million lead service lines. Do you think those are in the affluent, nice neighborhoods? At this point, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is what we talk about uh, when we when we're when we're talking about the the economic impact of in, the environment, the degradation of the environment, and investing back into neighborhoods and communities. I mean, these are the people who get left behind, and mm-hmm. it's 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 not great. I mean, listen, I'll I'll say the brave thing yet yeah. again. I don't want to drink water that came out of a lead pipe, and I and he, I'll say the other brave thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else should have to either. Yeah, uh, I. When I was working as an environmental engineer in uh, Newark, they were replacing all the red wa- uh, lead water service lines. I think there was like 20,000? 20, 20, yeah, I want to say 20,000 in Newark and like this surrounding area. And they would do, it was nuts. So, like there was like um, maybe like six, no, there was probably like 10 different construction crews every day. And they would do like between four to six houses replacing lead water service lines it was nuts like they would just do them so fast these guys like had it it was like the same thing over and over i guess each house like had its own challenge but they would just like rip through them these guys were automatic it was nuts gosh damn super mario bros of (laughs) new jersey over there fixing (laughs) the pipes that's that's actually the the plot of the second super mario brothers movie they're just gonna replace yeah it's just a plumbing movie it's just a plumbing (laughs) movie it's a plumbing movie and an environmental warning to the to the uh capitalists as always those stories are in your show notes if you want to read any of them for more detail we are going to take a quick break we got two more for you when we come back dan you want to do the vala alta ad read i don't want to do the ad read (laughs) v-a-l-a-a-l-t-a dot co slash t-p-t all right we'll see you get back Today's episode of The Planet Today is brought to you by Vala Alta. Vala Alta's Everyday Handkerchief is a high-performance, daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings, from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valaalta.co slash TPT for 15% off. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co slash TPT. All right. Well, that was a good ad read. Next up, Brazil launches $204 million drive to restore Amazon rainforest by Stephen Gratton and Jake Springs of Reuters. We have spoken about the importance of the Amazon rainforest to the world. And typically, the main Amazon-related solution that we discuss on this show is ending deforestation, stopping this ongoing process that is making the Amazon, aka the lungs of the earth, smaller, 
less healthy, and less able to do the job that we rely on it to do. This was a major goal of President Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, otherwise known as Lula. Um, and honestly, he's been off to a great start in the first year of his current term as president of Brazil. Brazilian Amazon deforestation is going down compared to previous years. Last week, though, Brazil's National Bank announced a new fund set up to reforest the Amazon with a goal of restoring 60,000 square kilometers or 23,160 square miles by 2030. For our American audience, that's a lot of football fields worth of forest. This is roughly the size of the country of Latvia being replanted in the Amazon over the next six years, and it would capture roughly 1.65 billion tons of carbon from the atmosphere if successful. The National Bank's president, Aloisio Mercadante, said that this fund was created because we need to be more ambitious. Preventing deforestation is no longer enough, so, quote, let's reforest so that the forest regenerates. It's the cheapest and quickest answer to the climate crisis because it captures carbon and stores it. Quickly, before we dive into this, I'm going to push back on the semantics of that a little bit just for uh, for my own honesty's sake. I wouldn't say it's the cheapest and quickest answer because it's part of the answer, and it's a really important part of the answer. But like all climate solutions, there's no one silver bullet. I don't want anyone's takeaway to be, oh, we don't need to phase out fossil fuels. You know, all we got to do is just reforest the Amazon. There's a lot of things we need to do and a lot of things we need to do urgently, this being one of them. As the uh, in-house stupid American, I had to look it up. Uh, it's uh, about 11.2 million football fields. Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a lot. That's insane. Wow. That's a big number. That yeah, crazy. I can't imagine that. I could yeah. barely imagine one football field It's in, in all its glory. The Amazon's super important. Uh, I mean, as a kid, I... You got all those like really cool book, like picture books with all the animals and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you always thought mm -hmm. one day I'll go visit. I'll be like that, you know, adventurer who, you know, hacks his way through the jungle to see uh, some of these incredible uh, plants and animals. Uh, until recently, it was looking like the generation that weed father. It wouldn't even be a dream. It'd be part of the past, you know, born too late to explore the mm -hmm. Amazon. Uh, so it's always great to see this kind of news uh, because we are the shepherds of the earth. We And when we're shepherd, shepherding in this new generation, they are mm -hmm. only going to get what, what we leave them. Uh, and if we don't leave them with an Amazon rainforest, they're, they're not going to be able to grow a new one. Uh, so th this reforestation effort is great. It's like Matt said, though, it's got to be coupled with uh, continuous... Uh, blocks on uh, chopping down the trees. You got to stop people from doing uh, slash and burn around the, the Amazon mm -hmm. rainforest. And we have to keep less people in there to allow the natural ecosystems to recover as well. Because if people are constantly going in and moving out, it's very difficult to get the uh, micro uh, fauna back in to restart these ecosystems and, and have animals move back in and propagate. And something I want to go back to that you had talked about before the break eating less beef, eating less red meat. Yeah. A lot of the Amazon yeah, yeah, yeah. is being deforested so that cattle can graze because cattle is a really good way for people to make money. You know, it's, it's a lucrative field. So for people who, you know, are, are poorer farmers, for example, sometimes it's easier to just cut down patches of forest 
and get more cattle and have more room to grow and allow your cattle to grow. The best way we can combat that is reduce our demand. So like CJ said earlier, if, if you can, you don't even have to give up red meat. If you can cut it out of your diet, need it less. I mean, like I'm talking to two guys and myself here who we, we've all kind of made that conscious decision a while ago, but for listeners out there, some people might need that gentle nudge. Well, well, here it is. You know, if, if you can reasonably replace red meat in your diet with something else, like CJ said, you might feel better or you might just have that environmental angel on your shoulder saying, Rock and roll. good job. Second that. Yeah. Our last quick hit of the week is from NPR where Rebecca Hersher writes, UN Climate Talks head says, quote, no science, end quote, back ending fossil fuels. That's incorrect. Hell of a headline. And this is the kind of journalism I love. Like, call people out when they say things wrong. Don't tiptoe around and say false truths or like misspoke. No, th- this is wrong. It's incorrect. And that's exactly what the headline says. Before we get into it, as a reminder, we are going to discuss COP28 in full a week from today, next Friday. The conference ends on Tuesday, so tune in on Friday for our full coverage. For now, though, this story was too important to ignore this week. COP28 is ongoing in Dubai currently, and it recently came out that COP28 president, Sultan Al-Jabur, said in an online meeting before the conference started that there was no science to support phasing out fossil fuels in order to avoid catastrophic global warming. That is wrong. Report after report from the international scientific community has found that we need to limit greenhouse gas emissions. And the best way to do that is to phase out fossil fuels. Part of it is that we don't have sufficient carbon capture technology. The article says all new fossil development is incompatible with avoiding catastrophic warming. Because right now there is not scalable technology that allows us to continue to burn that fossil fuel without emitting enormous amounts of gas, right? We could continue to burn fossil fuels if we had something at scale that was able to remove carbon from the atmosphere. We don't. So what we need to do is scale back how much we are emitting. Algebra held a press conference from COP28 on Monday of this week and attempted to clarify his comments by stating that he respects the science and views 1.5 degrees Celsius as his North Star, but he wants a practical approach that does not phase out fossil fuels. He did add that fossil fuels will inevitably stop being used. So all of that kind of word scramble to me is a little bit confusing. And it kind of seems like we don't need to do this because the free market's going to take care of it, which I just don't trust. I, I don't trust this sentiment. And I frankly don't trust the person stating it. He is the chief executive of the United Arab Emirates state run oil company. He has a vested interest in oil and gas continuing to be used. And he's the president of the UN's biggest climate talks of the year this year. So I'm going to take anything he says with a grain of salt, but especially this. Before we dive into a discussion, let me just be abundantly clear in case I wasn't already. The world needs to stop using fossil fuels as soon as possible if we want to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. The UN has said in order to do that, We need to decrease emissions by 80% by 2040 and 99% by 2050. So to say there's no science backing this, again, false. Well, well, first of all, he runs the the UAE's 
state-run oil company. Why are we listening to anything this guy has to say, okay? And then he sounds like he's trying to kiss both sisters. And that's a mistake, let me tell you that much. You can't simultaneously try and make money selling fossil fuels and then tell people, no, but don't worry, we're eventually going to stop. We're eventually going to stop. Trust me, eventually we'll stop. We have clear target dates, as Matt said, clear target dates, and we need to hit them. And whoever's appointing these people to these environmental positions, they got to stop too. That's what I was going to say. I mean, that's what I was going to say. I just, I, the, the fact that, that someone could be in both of those roles yeah. at the same time is just shocking to me. I don't <laughs> Yeah. And, and like, I, I guess like the logic behind it is like, we're not going to phase out fossil fuels mm. tomorrow, right? Like we still need gas powered cars right now. So do they deserve a seat at the table? Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause we need a smooth transition. But what we don't need is the literal head of these climate negotiations to also run a state run oil company like that doesn't mesh for me. And I think for a lot of people, but for some reason, the UN was like, you know what? COP 28, 2023. Yeah, let's go. Let's go to UAE. Let's host it in Dubai. Yeah, I'm sure by then, like oil and gas will be on the on the out. No, (laughs) right. Like it's just it makes zero sense to have these two so invested in each other. Um, But like I said, we are going to dive very far into COP28 next week. Um, I don't want to give away all the all the juicy stuff this week. So with that, we are going to end this week's TPT. Like I said, we're back next Friday for our COP28 review. But until then, go give the show a five-star rating and review wherever you can. Follow our socials at Planet Today Pod. Nick Janusa produces our show and makes all the music you hear throughout. You can hear his music at soundcloud.com slash Cape, And that's B-U-D-L-Y-N-C-A-P-E. We were joined today by Vala Alta founder Dan Walsh. Dano, where can people go check yeah. out your stuff in case uh, they skip yeah. to the ad? ValaAlta.co or Vala underscore Alta on the socials. Yeah, and if you're going to do that, it's ValaAlta.co slash TPT. Thanks. We were also joined by my good friend CJ Bonafati. CJ, are we plug in the Twitch today? Uh, I, I don't have a hardwire connection here in Connecticut anymore, so the streaming's been put on the table. But if for whatever reason <laughs> you need more of my takes, if you are that bat crazy that you need to hear more of what i have to say you can follow me on twitter at the honorable cal that is the honorable k-a-l-l i'll see you there our logo is made by kaylee veets have a great weekend everyone we'll catch you right here next friday Bye. Bye.